Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages podcast. In this show, we are going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs and interesting folks who live here in the villages to give perspectives of what is happening here in the villages. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9 a.m. We have completed the conversion of all our episodes to Buzzsprout. Of course, you can still listen to Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and about 20 other podcast platforms. Your favorite podcast player will still work. We are now a listener-supported podcast. You can become a supporter for only $3 per month, and you can pay more if you wish. Go to openforuminthevillages.com and click on support in the black box. There will be shoutouts for supporters in many episodes. This is a shout-out to supporters, Tweet Coleman, Dan Capellan, Ed Williams, Alvin Stenzel, and major supporter Dr. Craig Curtis at K2 in the Villages. We will be hearing more from Dr. Curtis with short Alzheimer's tips each week. Should you want to become a major supporter of the show or have questions, please contact us at MikeAtRothVoice.com if you know someone who should be on the show. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Bob Baker, and we're going to be talking about improvisational music today and how he wrote a book with Laura Hall, who is the musical director of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Bob, why don't you review for our listeners who may not have heard the prior episode how you met Laura Hall? Yeah, well, I've been in and out of performing and even teaching improv for many years and uh, been also at the same time been a uh, musician. And so I like to comport, uh, to do both the, what's the acting part, the non-musical part of imp- improv where you're making up stuff on the spot with a group of other players, but also incorporating music where you're making up lyrics and melodies and, you know, in the moment. And so I've always been a fan of who's, of whose line, Laura Hall, as you mentioned, has been the long term, long time piano player and musical director of the show. About 2014, her and her husband, Rick, came to St. Louis and did a musical improv workshop where I got to meet them and attend and, and learn a lot from them. We did a student showcase that night. A little bit later that year, or the next year, I should say, I reached out to Laura to be, and asked her to be a guest on my podcast called The Creative Entrepreneur. And at the end of that recording, we had a conversation that led to us writing a book together because mm-hmm. she didn't have one out at, at all. And we spent about nine months. <laughs> we got, they've often joked about the same time as birthing a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I, and it actually was published in 2016. It's called The, the Improv Comedy Musician. I'll be able to hear with you. Oh, I actually... I actually I actually do. The subtitle is The Ultimate Guide to Playing Music with an Improv Group. And it is sort of, there's like kind of a subset or, or, or I guess if I, if I were, who it's geared for, specifically it's geared for music directors, I guess is the most, and that would be the a music director would be somebody who uh, leads music with an improv group or maybe the accompanist. You know, a lot of groups have piano players or somebody, a, a musician that works with an improv group. But also there's anybody interested in that whole, like if you've ever seen Wayne Brady and those guys uh, on whose on who's line to be amazed at if you want to know the inner workings of that, how to how musical improv works. How do you make that stuff up on the spot? That it's a great book for that too. There's a section in there where she just tells stories about the show and and, for, and questions she's had a lot. And some of her brushes with greatness, <laughs> you know, people that she's. Uh, and the book has got a forward by Colin Mockery. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, of all the players, and yeah, I think Colin and Laura is uh, Laura have a great relationship and so he was happy to write the forward and i got a chance to meet him a couple of times too which is really cool Mm -hmm. maybe you can give our our listeners who know a little bit about music and a little bit about improv a couple of uh, tips yeah and so when typically so i'm a guitar player which is kind of odd because most accompanists who work with an improv group are piano players and so there's different roles for, but what, regardless of what the what the the instrument is there's different roles that a musician plays well, even in theater or even in, in film. So one of them, which is kind of often overlooked, is, is underscoring. 
And so basically that's the theme music underneath a scene. Mm-hmm. And so um, like back in St. Louis, I, I started working in recent years with a guy named Eric who's very – and not every musician, no matter how talented they are, can adapt to an improv troupe. But that that alone, even if nobody is singing in a scene, they're just doing acting, having music underneath that supports the emotion that's being ex- 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 expressed – can really bring a scene to life. And so, and the way Laura, what I learned from Laura is there's a both a give and a take, or there's a listening. It's the same thing with, with dialogue. You're listening and responding, mm-hmm. right? And so as the accompanist, when you're doing the underscoring part of, of it, you're listening to what the actors are, are saying and, and mirroring or supporting whatever emotion is being expressed. So if it's, if it's deep, it's dark or angry, it's going to be one style. If it's lighthearted and something else, you know, you might have to change your style. But the musician can also lead them. Like if, if she feels or if the musician feels that a scene's been kind of languid, so they're, they're, they're struggling might change up the rhythm mm-hmm. and inspire them to then pursue a different line of dialogue. So that's a really in- interesting part of it. Now, when it comes to the singing part of it, the main nuggets that I learned was that there's basically like three categories or types of, of musical improv that involves singing. On the one end, it's the highly structured songs. They're formatted. So I know you're a fan of like Irish drinking. Yeah, song, Irish drinking song. Ho down. Um, there's probably a couple others. Those, those are, those are. And and by the way, the cast actually hates doing ho down. But <laughs> with the director, the guy that actually created Who's Line, always insists that they do it. I guess because it's a crowd favorite. But they always cringe whenever they have to do ho down. <laughs> it's a little insider. <laughs> I think I can say that without yeah, the, the Irish drinking song they like doing. I think yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything negative about Irish drinking song, but but those are highly. So what I mean by highly structured is that the chords are the same every time. Mm-hmm. The melody that you sing is the same every time. The structure of the overall song so that alleviates the players from having to think about you know where. So so all you're doing is taking the suggestion from the audience and then crafting the lyrics and the rhymes to fit the existing format, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, on one hand, it makes it easier, but you still have to do, yeah, have to, have to do that. Because the, the difficulty or why musical improv is so challenging for most people is it just taxes so many aspects of your brain. There's the words, there's the rhymes, there's the rhythm, there's the notes that you sing. You're listening to the chords so that you can, you know, be in key. Yeah. With, with that. And so for most people, you know, I've been dealing with music for years, so it just comes naturally to me. But for most people, that's just so awkward, and, you know, chaotic, and that they struggle with it. That's why you have to rehearse the stuff, <laughs> you know. So that's on one end. And so those Formatted songs tend to also be presentational. Like you'll notice Irish drinking songs and um, ho, ho, ho Down, they're sung to the audience. They break what's called the fourth right, wall. Right, right. So they're, they're sung to, to the audience. Um, on the other hand, you have like a total, totally, or on the other side of the, the spectrum, totally organic, uh, which tends to be, uh, in the last episode, we talked about long form improv where anything goes. I mean, right. yeah, a singer in the middle of a scene will just, Start singing, and the accompanist has to follow them. I mean, it, it was it was funny because the the detective in, in Dean Corbett's improv murder mystery was actually a extremely talented musician named Wayne Richards, mm. who would normally play the keyboards, and in the middle of the show, he would break out into a song. <laughs> Oh, wow, yeah. And that's really what made the show fantastic. Let's take a moment and hear from our major supporter, Dr. Craig Curtis. What is the diagnostic process to split the difference between someone who has Alzheimer's and someone who has a different form of dementia? That's a great question, Mike. So Alzheimer's disease in the past was a clinical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. 
and we would talk to the patient and the family and they would tell us about this progressive memory loss and maybe other symptoms that had been occurring been occurring over the past three to five years. Mm -hmm. And we would simply test their memory and maybe wait another year or two and retest their memory to look for decline. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's completely different. As a matter of fact, now our diagnostic process involves actually looking for amyloid in the brain, which we now know causes Alzheimer's disease. How do you see amyloid in the brain? We can see amyloid in the brain using PET scans, which is the most common way. And now we're working on using blood tests, which are going to be coming out in the next few years. In fact, there's already one blood test that is FDA cleared to detect amyloid in the blood, which is reflecting amyloid in the brain. And that would be the differential between another type of dementia and Alzheimer's. Yes, sir. Right. And, the, and if there's a musician there, they have to just be ready to follow that, you know. And mm -hmm. so in those cases, yeah, it's totally or, organic. In fact, if we have time, classes, there's a... Uh, Monday. On, on Monday, yeah, we'll probably be listening to it after the, the, this. But there's a game called uh, Talent Show that I do where um, we just get two letters of the alphabet uh, from the audience and each performer has to come up with a song or some kind of a, perf a performance that can be where the chorus or the theme is boiled down to two words. And the first word has to begin with the that whatever that first, let's just say it's L R yeah. the first, first word has to begin with the letter R second, second word has to begin with the letter, whatever <laughs> or L and R. Um, and they can make no it Q's and, and X's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll stay away from those or maybe Z's too. Um, but, and it's up totally up to them uh, what they, what they make that phrase and they're making it up on the spot. There's no pre-assigned structure. Every 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 song is different. Exactly. So that's a totally organic form, but it's a lot of fun. We, too. we have tried the, uh, and I can't remember the name of the scene where there's two radio announcers discussing a new album, you know, on maybe cruise ships, mm -hmm. and they come up with a a name of a song, and then two other players have to sing the song that's on the compilation album. Yeah, on Whose Line is called Greatest Hits. Greatest Hits. Which we do that, yeah, and then usually you get either a uh, occupation or a uh, hobby. Mm -hmm. And so let's say it's gardening. It's Songs of the Gardener. And they make up, you know, like, like you know, add more fertilizers, the name of the song. And they even might throw in a genre. Remember that jazz favorite? I yeah. need more fertilizer. <laughs> and then sing it. Louis Armstrong singing yeah. Songs of the Gardener. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, there's just so many... So many uh, different forms of musical improv, and then there's some things in the in the middle, yeah, where you have a, some structure, but a, like there's a. I don't know if you've ever heard of a of a game called Bartender, where the uh, you get a we get like a one word suggestion from the audience and the patron, and then there's a two person scene. A patron walks in. And they start, uh, just, they say, oh, I got some problems here. So, but there's a little bit of an inter, inter, interaction. And then the patron sings an issue that they're having. You know how you kind of cry in your okay. beer with the bartender? Um, they, so they have a, a section where they sing about their issues based on the suggestion that they were given. And then the bartender has some ridiculous advice back that in a form that, of song. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a, a different form. Of, of something we, we practiced or, or, or learned last mm -hmm. Monday, you know, a hundred penguins walk into a oh, bar. Yeah. And the bartender says, we don't serve penguins. And then each player has to repeat it and add a punchline to it. Yeah, like, hey, we would address code here. You got to beware that tuxedo. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't want to make this a habit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, 
I don't know where this came from, but our version of that is, is 185, whatever it is. I don't know where I don't know where that came from, but you always got 185 penguins walk into a bar. But whether it's 100 or whatever, no, <laughs> it's still ridiculous. This is the villages, so we went down yeah, to 100. Yeah, <laughs> downsized. You know, we never see 185 penguins. Maybe 100, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. The extra 85 in the next county, <laughs> perhaps. So what is uh, the first rule you might give to a performer who is going to do the Irish drinking song. Oh my gosh. So the Irish drinking song is very challenging because those rhymes come quick. Um, and it all depends how you, d- d- yeah, how you divide it. Um, it would be listening. I mean, it's the same advice that I would give to somebody just in improv in general, active listening. Don't get too stressed out about just be open. When it, so the Irish drinking song, the, the challenge is you have to rhyme with the person right before you. Mm-hmm. And it's an A-A-B-B rhyming structure. I mean, the first two lines rhyme. The second two lines have a separate, different rhyme at the end of their, their lines. And they come very quick. So you can always do yourself and your partner a favor by using one syllable, easy, common words like car, tree, you know, what, uh, and as, as opposed to perpendicular <laughs> or something, you know. And in fact, I, when I mentioned there was a student showcase the day that I met, Laura Hall and her husband. And the first song was Irish Drinking Song. And I think I, I was up playing in that one. It was just four s- singers. So my, my initiation to this was, it was a pretty high pressure thing. And I, and I ended up having the last line of the song. And the person right before me said something that ended with the word blue. The song goes, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, I And I, I like froze for a second because I, they kind of fumbled their words, but it sounded like they said blue. And luckily it came to me. I just said, uh, and now this song is through. Like otherwise I would have just sat there and froze. But yeah, e- even I, after years of doing this, you know, it could be intimidated, you know. It's in the moment. You never know what's going to happen. Right. I think that's what the audience is like. And that's what yeah. most of the performers like. Yeah. I have to say, just recognize that they're there. Yeah, they know you're you're making up in the spot, so they're okay with you messing up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, how many books in total have you written? A total of sixteen physical paperback books, and then exactly a dozen other eBooks, audiobooks, online courses, and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, are these uh, available for people to buy? Yeah, most of them are available on. I mean, some of the early ones are out of print, but most are available on Amazon, and mm-hmm. you can just look for Bob Baker. Well, that's a common name uh, on Amazon. But if you uh, if you can find one of my books and then click to the author page, and you'll find the whole the whole series, the whole list of them. But there are books on music marketing. There's books on the empowered artist. My latest book is related to my YouTube channel, which we didn't we didn't really didn't touch on here, but it's called The Power of Affirmations and Positive Self-Talk. So if you look up any of those titles and then click on my name on the, the prod, you know, the, the sales or that page for the for the for the book. Bob, we've about run out of time today, and we'll continue this episode next week at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. The content of the show is copyrighted by Roth Voice 2023, all rights reserved.